What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three guys about to relive our early quarantine days. Oh, man. Those were the days. <laughs> I'm Matt Johnson, and if I was in a horror movie, I would close and lock all the doors because I'm not a fucking idiot. I'm Keith Baker, and I'm triple-masked and ready to talk. And I'm Austin Terry, and I really hope you guys can make it to my next Lysol rave in the basement. Of course, on today's show, we're discussing the new slasher fic on Peacock from Kevin Williamson with Sick. We had an open week. We talked about doing some things here and there. We were like, are we going to do it, guys? Are we going to see Megan? <laughs> um, and no, we didn't. I do want to still, but uh, we'll get around to Megan eventually. Probably Megan 2 and 3 it. has been greenlit. Oh, what? Nice. Megan 2.0. <laughs> um. So yeah, and we stumbled upon Sick. I mean, I can really speak for myself. The main reason I was excited about it, I, I personally don't know anybody in the cast. The only person on the team that I know anything about is Kevin Williamson, who I'm a big fan because he created Scream. So I was like, okay, a new slasher flick from Kevin Williamson. I'm in for that. So I can't really speak to any expectations. I was just hoping for a good, fun watch. Whenever it started and I saw it was like an hour and 20 minutes, I was like, all right, they're going to be kind of quick and to the point here. I'm interested. So that's really all I can say about what I knew going in. What about you guys? How about you let everybody know what your expectations going in, if you even had any? And of course, let us know your non-spoiler thoughts on Sick. Yeah, I thought this movie was going to suck ass when I started it, um, <laughs> but I, I was pleasantly surprised. I'll say that um, I would I think COVID in this one is more than a gimmick. Like I thought it was just going to be, oh, it's the COVID gimmick movie. But I think they integrated into the story pretty well. A lot of the, a lot of the ways they use COVID makes sense. And it's a good way to get people like remote and isolated. So I think that really fits a horror story. I think the runtime really helps this film. Like as soon as you kind of start to get bored, it wraps up. I think for a slasher movie, the reveal behind the mystery like really fits the story and kind of makes sense when you think about it. Um, the characters, when they're in survival mode, for the most part are doing smart stuff. They're doing dumb stuff at the beginning of the film. Um, overall, I would say I was pleasantly surprised. I don't think it's like a great film or anything, but I would say if you need something to watch, it's a great one to put on. And it's just on Peacock, so you don't have to go to theaters or anything to see it. So overall, I would say, yeah, pleasantly surprised with Sick. Yeah, I'd say the same. It didn't last long. It was a very quick movie. The chase scenes were fun. The the kills were scary. Yeah, I mean, overall, it was just a good time. That's all I can really say. I don't really have much to say about it, but uh, I think anybody would enjoy this if you're just looking for a good slasher, horror, thriller, uh, whatever you call it. Yeah, I think for the most part, I'm going to agree with you guys. I might be a little bit lower on it. I, I just thought it was fine. I thought it was a good watch, uh, relatively harmless, I think, kind of like you guys both said, especially since it's on Peacock. If you just check it out, I think it's going to be hard not to enjoy. It's super quick watch. I thought the characters were, you know, compelling enough for this kind of movie. I think more often than not, when it comes to slashers in particular, we don't really get to know them too well. But it was nice to have a smaller cast because a lot of slashers have really big casts. And I think the only reason they do that is so that you, they can have a lot of kills. But then when you have big casts and slashers, the, you know, the trade-off is we don't get to know anything about them. They're usually just stereotypes. So I did appreciate um, the smaller cast and we got to spend a bit more time with them in this one. That was nice. Um yeah, I like the kills too. I like kind of the motivations behind certain things. And like Austin said, COVID is certainly not treated like a gimmick here. It is pretty integral to the plot, the setting, the atmosphere, and some things towards the third act as well. And for the most part, I liked how they handled it um, in some kind of surprising ways. And despite all the positives there, I, I don't really know why I didn't get into like the really, really, really good territory for me. Um, I just thought it was good and I thought it was a good watch. I would definitely recommend it. But I, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. There's not a whole lot to say here, um, but I did enjoy my time with it. Wish I could have liked it even more, but you know, maybe that was just my expectations coming in. I don't know. The thing for me where I can't say, oh, it's, it's really great. is just because nothing in the movie scared me. 
Um, like I thought it flowed well, but it just nothing really got me on edge or made me nervous. So like there's some creative kills and stuff, which is fun to see. But to be in that slasher genre, like the great ones, I think, get to scary points. And this one just never really got scary for me. I'll say the scariest thing about this film is, uh, you know, we did our 2023 look ahead a few weeks ago. And looking at that month of October, this might be the best scary movie to come out this year. Oof. Well, let's hope we get some surprises. Yeah, not that this is a bad movie <laughs> by any means, but I definitely want, you know, something a little bit more uh, from a traditional maybe horror movie, particularly when it comes to the month of October. But yeah, right now it's not looking good. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but yeah, with that, unless you guys have anything else to say, it sounds like um, we would all recommend it. I might be the lowest on it, but I still think it's definitely worth watching and checking out. So go check it out on Peacock if you haven't, because now we're going to go ahead and get into spoilers. There's some fun things to talk about here. I'm, I'm very curious on your guys' thoughts on the ending in particular. So that'll be fun to get to. But obviously, if, in, if you haven't seen it, we don't want to spoil you. So go watch the movie and then come on back for our spoiler talk. We'll be waiting for you. Yeah, you may have to dust off your Peacock app like I did. I had to sign back in, re-download it to my TV. Man, I forgot that thing even existed. All right, everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory. As always, Austin and Keith, how about you start us off with the cast and crew talk? All right, so Sick is directed by John Hyams, who is most well-known for their involvement in the Universal Soldier franchise, but this movie is their first high-profile directorial debut. Uh, like Matt said, the film is written by Kevin Williamson and Caitlin Crabb. Williamson is the creator of Dawson's Creek, The Vampire Diaries, and The Scream franchise, and our score for the film is composed by Nima Fakara. And going into our cast, we have Gideon Adlon as Parker. Beth Millian as Mary, Dylan Sprayberry as DJ, Mark Menchaca as Jason, and Jane Adams as Pamela. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? I guess I'll give my highlight to Jane Adams as Pamela. Um, she has a very limited amount of screen time, but I thought she was the most menacing presence in this film. Um, she has some pretty intimidating conversations towards the end of the film. So overall, I, I think she's the main highlight for me. I'm going to give my highlight to Beth Millian as Miri. I think she was probably my favorite character, like performance wise. I thought she was pretty badass. She was a tough girl. Um, I liked all of her moments, um, you know, with her on the on the computer, on the phone, trying to get help. Uh, and then also her 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 badass moments with uh, fighting the bad guys. So, yeah, I think Beth Millian did a good job as as like the the best friend character. She's the only smart character in this film. Yes. Don't even get me started on DJ. God, that guy's a moron. Yeah, I want to talk about DJ because <laughs> that guy is like a certified creep in my opinion. <laughs> um, I, he probably deserved to die. No. But um, yeah, I don't know if I can really shout out too much of the acting. I, I think everybody's like fine or good all around without doubt, but just nothing there for me to you know feel good about shouting out. Same with like kind of the behind the camera efforts. I don't really know where I would go there. So the person I'll shout out, I guess, is I had to look up their name, but Jerome Levy, who was the cinematographer. I did like how the movie looked. I thought some of the framing was really nice. I liked some of the shots. In particular, whenever they would kind of um, surprise you with how the killer or killers was lurking in the background when you might not have recognized it at first. So the way the movie looked, I, I thought was good, especially since it's supposed to feel super claustrophobic, obviously, because it's supposed to be a quarantine. So they definitely were able to make it look and feel that way. So I'll shout them out this time. I guess Kevin Williamson has like some fetish for two killers. Like, I mean, the second, I don't know. I was like, okay, Kevin, you did it again. <laughs> <laughs> and technically it's three. I guess you're right. Yeah, that's true. So never mind. I guess I was wrong. He mixed it up. <laughs> Scream plus one. 
All right. So we don't have too much uh, in the critical reception category yet when it comes to specifics. So I'll just kind of hit you with uh, the overall, just give you an idea because you know what we think, but what are the critics saying? So Sick has actually received very positive reviews and currently has an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is smart, self-aware, and all too timely. The slasher co-written by Kevin Williamson is sick in all the best ways. I think that's a little too positive of a review yeah. for me. I would just say it's it's a run-of-the-mill slasher. I would give it the checks in the self-aware and timely category. Smart is where sometimes yes and sometimes definitely no. I mean, if my intro told you anything, I just, I understand why they have to do it. I know there's tropes that sometimes you have to adhere to, and sometimes you also have to do it so like you can actually shoot a scene the correct way. But I don't know. Is this a Gen Z thing? Are we aging out of this, guys? Why are they leaving doors open? Why the doors that are closed? Why are they not locked? Like, you're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Why are you not, like, locking doors and closing them? <laughs> Especially why are you leaving the front door open at two in the morning? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's not going to slow you down if you're grabbing your bag to get back in the house to have to open the door. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, with that, I think it's time to go a little bit deeper. So let's go ahead and get into our roundtable discussion here. This is, of course, the main part of our show where each of us brings a point or two that we want to kind of focus in on and talk about in more depth. So let's break it all down. Who wants to start us off today? Yeah, we've hit on this a bit, but let's get into the big, I guess, selling point for this film, which is a horror movie set during COVID. So I, I think my main question here is if we didn't have COVID in this film, would it would the plot still make sense? Like, is this film heavily reliant on COVID? And did you overall like the way it was used? I think it could have survived without the COVID aspect, but the fact that COVID was in it made it more interesting. Uh, and it gave them gave them a reason why they were going to this house alone yeah. to like kind of hide out on college break and all that. Yeah, there's a way they could have done it. But at that point, I just don't know if I could re recommend it to anybody. Like, it's hard to imagine this movie without that because then it feels like it would just be like a really, really basic and bare bones slasher. Not that that's a bad thing. I guess like they could have gone to this house because they wanted to get away from DJ and maybe her friends just like accompanying her. I don't know what the killer's motivations would be, you know, maybe just their killers or whatever. But yeah, I think overall I appreciated the COVID um, usage because it, it made everything make sense to a relatively smart degree. Again, I think there's some things that uh you know, left room to be desired, but I still thought overall it was good, uh, mostly for just the purposes of the atmosphere and also how certain characters react. Like I said, it is a very small cast, but it was definitely a really scary scene whenever she um, is able to like um, paddle across the river and get to like technically her neighbor, even though they're really far away, they finally get there. And like just the way this neighbor is acting with like not only like, you know, a gun to their face, but it does feel like part of it's also like, oh, I don't want to see anybody. This is like a pandemic. Right. And then obviously it's kind of the I thought the scene with Pamela when we first meet her was hilarious where she's like, put on your mask. Like I thought that was so <laughs> funny. It, it did lose kind of its luster because then it turns out she was in on it. So it wasn't just somebody like really scared of like the pandemic or anything, but it still worked. I think where the movie really shown was kind of like the smaller things. Like I really liked them playing a drinking game with a Dr. Fauci talking on TV and they were like taking drinks with certain things. Like that was kind of funny. Um, I also liked how they played with, this is April, 2020. So there's a scene where um, Miri is talking, you know, uh, with Parker and Parker seems, she's kind of laissez-faire a little bit with the pandemic. And I think it's supposed to be because she's like in college in its early days. And they're still treating it like, oh, this is only older people get this. And Mary's like, well, yeah. that's not true. You know, we're seeing younger people starting to get it. So I was like, okay, that's good, uh, like building. And then the, the last thing I'll say uh, is I liked how they talked about um, 
having the COVID symptoms and also being asymptomatic. Obviously, Parker being asymptomatic plays a pretty huge role in the reveal in the third act. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a fun little twist on it. Like, yeah, she has COVID, but this all started because she didn't know she had it because she was completely asymptomatic. So I was like, okay, that's kind of a, you know, a fun little writing thing to throw in there. So some of those like smaller things to have to do with um, COVID and like you know, things that we all really went through, I thought were nice touches. Yeah, I think it made the movie feel more real too. And, and I definitely agree that the atmosphere was really held by the COVID setting. Originally, I was worried they were just going to use COVID to get them to be remote and then it really wasn't going to be addressed anymore. But the fact that the big reveal with the killers is tied back to COVID and it plays a really big part in their motivation, I thought was really important. I think the only thing, and I realize this is such a small nitpicky thing, the only thing that took me out of the film with COVID was they do say many times, this is April 2020. And then at the end, Pam uses like a self-home testing kit. And we didn't have those in April 2020 in the timeline of COVID. Those didn't come out till late summer. So that took me mm-hmm. out of it a bit. Um, I know that's like so small, but in like the final conclusions, I was like, wait, that's not accurate. So that that was the only thing that kind of took me out with COVID. I didn't even think about this while watching the movie, but now I'm confused. Maybe you guys caught it. But so the guy in the opening of the movie is the guy that, you know, supposedly gave Parker COVID and then she gave it to the son of the killers. But how long ago was that party where she gave it to the son? Because then at the end, they're testing her and the son's already dead. Are they trying to imply that she has COVID again? Or are they just like, you know, testing her, not thinking about that, just testing her because they're so like serious about it. They're like, well, we know she had it, but we're just going to test her anyway. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I I think they do say it's right after spring break. So in spring break is usually late March, early April. So maybe it was just a few weeks ago. But I I bet they also were not expecting us to analyze the timeline that closely. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) true, true. I guess this might be a a decent transition. I don't want to get into like uh, structure, like the end or anything before we talk like more about uh, the characters themselves. Obviously, we talked about the actors and actresses, but did you guys like the characters? I thought that would be, you know, an important thing to bring up. I was kind of, I don't know, I guess overall I did. I liked Miri a lot. I think, Keith, you echoed those same sentiments. Um, Parker, I was kind of really back and forth on, but then by the end, whenever she... uh, becomes our scream queen, so to speak, and she's the one kind of doing all the kills. And it's hard not to come around to a character like that. I despise DJ. Maybe I was supposed to. I don't know. But what do you guys think of the characters? I want to talk about them. I totally agree with you. DJ's a creep. You don't just show up to a girl's house in <laughs> the middle of nowhere. Instagram. <laughs> as she tells you, one, you're not invited, and two, she's made it pretty clear she doesn't want to be around you. So you don't drive out to her house and just, and also just walk in. Don't even knock. Just walk into the house in the middle of the night. So yeah, DJ, you're a creep. Uh, Miri, (laughs) I liked her a lot. And I'm with you, Matt. I I didn't like Parker at the beginning. um, But where she kind of redeemed herself for me is when she is kind of fully taken hostage by Pamela. And she's saying, like, let Miri go, all this stuff. Like, she's actually trying to sacrifice herself for her friend. So that's where Parker won me over. DJ. (laughs) What a character. DJ, yeah, the, the fact that he drove out to that house, like, not just her regular house, her dad's like hunting cabin or whatever out in the middle of nowhere. That he's never been to before. They established yeah. that. Yeah. So like, and then he's just walking around in the background of the house with, on his phone as if it's normal to be there, as if he's as, as if he's always gone there throughout their entire relationship. And he's just walking. He's like, oh, hey. She's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? He's like, oh, well, I thought I'd hang out with you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he had an interview for his art career. He couldn't get oh. off the phone. They also did like the thing that, I don't know, anytime this happens in a movie, it just makes me immediately hate the character. I can't even remember the line because I think I just went into like a blind rage because it annoys me so much. But whenever like he's like he mentions the first creep thing where he's like, 
She's like, how did you know I was here? And he's like, I saw it on Instagram. It's like, okay, creeper. Uh, but the other thing was whenever he like, he shows her the video on social media of her kissing the guy. And he's like, what's that about? Are you guys serious? It's like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> who who are you? <laughs> See, I I was actually expecting that fight to get really cringy. I thought he was going to like start calling her names and all kinds of stuff and they kind of had like a pretty normal adult conversation I thought. So I was actually surprised how well the fight came off to me. The reason it ended up coming off okay, like at first I was just so in- I just think that's gross. Um cuz it's like you guys aren't together, you clearly weren't that serious. And like Parker says that DJ ghosted her. So this is the guy yeah. that ghosts her and then comes to her dad's house and is like showing her a video of her kissing someone else. Like, Ooh, what's that about? It's like, well, fuck off. Um, but I do agree with you. It ended up coming around. But the, the reason it came around is because they had to create this stupid writing device that maybe not like Parker, where I think Parker admits to Miri that like she did that on purpose and put it on social media to make DJ mad. And I was like, because he ghosted her. So he was, yeah, she like, was trying to make also him jealous. kind of gross. I don't know. Well, she succeeded. <laughs> yeah, I guess, clearly. That, that's why. <laughs> I guess they're in college. So it's you kind of have to not give it a pass. I'm not giving creepy behavior a pass, but they're dumb kids. So like DJ just didn't redeem himself at all for me. But like the, the Parker thing, I, I guess she did. I just thought it was kind of weird. Like, oh, I just wanted to make him jealous. But whatever. Some of the characters I like, some I didn't. <laughs> If you're not invited to someone's house, mm. do not drive out there and just walk into it in the middle of the night. That's yeah. not okay behavior, no matter Bad who you idea. are. Bad idea. Bad idea, DJ. Through the back door and then not Ugh. say anything when you walk in. Sorry, I was on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I had to borrow my friend's truck. My transmission's leaking. <laughs> So for me, I mean, even though I like this movie, I did find it to be very similar to Scream. Was that okay for you guys that it was kind of structured in the same way as like a normal Scream movie or even any other slasher movie where you have like the, the first like kill that, of a character we don't know and we'll never know again. And then it cuts to the, uh, the main characters now. Now we're in the main story. Yeah, I thought the structure was fine. It, it definitely follows all the tropes of slasher movies. Um, it, it's funny. I was actually thinking while watching this, this would have been a great Scream sequel. You could very easily do Ghostface set during COVID. I think that could have been really fun. Where Scream tends to lose me is like the characters get too goofy and too cheesy. So I'm glad we didn't go that far. Um, but overall, I would say, yeah, it's good. And I, I really do think this could have fit in well with the Scream franchise. Yeah, it definitely stood out to me. Like it was definitely apparent that it was following, you know, the Scream structure. But again, the Scream structure is just supposed to be a parody and kind of a commentary on typical like horror and slasher structures. So it didn't bother me that it was you know, obviously similar, regardless of whether Kevin Williamson was working on it or not. Um, it was, yeah, I thought the structure worked for the most part. Um, and I liked that it was simple. You know, I don't think we needed to add too many bells and whistles, obviously, with COVID and everything going on there. I think that kind of that kind of did enough, in my opinion. So that combined with some characters that, you know, obviously we just talked about some you, you can kind of get behind, some you can't. But even the ones like Parker, you're not fully behind at the beginning. You got you kind of come around to. So I think that combined with the way the movie was structured. Uh, worked for me. I, I Even though I joked about like, oh, Kevin Williamson's doing multiple killers again, I do still think the reveals and like the timing and like so, like the certain um, placements of things really worked. Like I really liked whenever we did get full confirmation of the second killer, it comes immediately after essentially of her, you have like Parker having this brutal beat down of one of the killers. And then at that point, you're not 100% sure if there's more. Um, but, but like the second she finishes, she like looks up and the killer walks like a guy that was the exact same 
walks through the door. It's like, oh, shit. So, like, the way they kind of placed those, like, little reveal moments throughout, I thought, uh, worked really well structure-wise. I thought the pacing was pretty perfect, too. There's not a lot of downtime in this movie. You are very quickly into the slasher elements that you came for, and then you're very quickly at credits. So I, I think the movie is paced pretty perfectly. Let's jump into the action of this movie, like the chase scenes, the fight scenes, the kills in themselves. So what did you guys think about all that? I really like the way the knife like shot three used in this one, like the knife coming through the door is a classic slasher thing in, in the opening. Um, but that one like just seemed more intimidating for some reason. And I thought the scene on the raft was really fun with him like poking it up through the the slots and stuff and she's trying to avoid it. Um, and, and I did like the meat cutter scene like in the guy's leg. Thought that was a pretty good moment towards the end. So there's some fun kills in here. I wouldn't say there's anything like groundbreaking in terms of kills. It's all kind of stuff we've seen before, but not the way characters end up in certain situations with like being on the other side of the knife was pretty fun. Yeah, there is some nice Chekhov's gun style payoffs like in the one of the opening chases involves the killer and DJ. And if I recall correctly, the um, the elk or whatever, you, whatever it is, like with the thing with antlers on the wall falls off and like it's just like you don't really think about it. But then at the end of the movie, that's the thing that the killer falls off the banister yeah. and lands on. Which that's then, the most creative one. Yeah. And which ends up killing him. It's like, OK, that was some nice like setup and payoff type things. Um, and uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure how I fully feel about it yet. Uh, overall, I think it's like harmless and <laughs> kind of fun. So whatever. But it definitely retained the scream nature of having really like serious like whoa shit that was like a fucked up kill and also like really goofy kills i got, i mean i wouldn't call it a kill obviously because she doesn't die but i thought it was so weirdly hilarious whenever she's on the raft and then it's just revealed that the, i guess the killer was quietly swimming behind her <laughs> and then <laughs> tries to kill her in the middle of the lake i was like that's so goofy but kind of funny um and that lets like some cool stuff. I liked the way like the knife was popping up through the raft. Like, cause it, that was like the one moment that made me go, oh shit, like what the hell would you even do? Like, would you risk just diving in and trying to swim as fast as you can the rest of the way? Like, I don't know what you would do in that situation, but uh, yeah. So I liked how there was really goofy scenes like that in addition to some of the good kills. What did you guys think about the way kind of the closing mystery unfolds? And then of course the reveal that the killers are grieving parents from Parker's party. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was it was cool in the way that it played into the COVID stuff. It's cool that it kind of played into the uh, the whole social media aspect that was going on during COVID, you know, how people were posting like things at parties and some people lost their jobs because they were posting themselves at parties and stuff like that. Um, so it was kind of cool, like we talked about earlier, how it just kind of plays into like what was going on in that, in that present uh, present few months or year of 2020. Yeah, I thought it was a fun reveal because obviously it is... Like them being mad at Parker, you know, they can be justified in that sense because their son, you know, presumably got it from her and then died very quickly. So that's, you know, sad and fucked up. But then, you know, like any good slasher or horror thing, they take something, you know, realistic like that and then just elevate it to like a hundred. <laughs> so now they're just maniac killers now. Uh, and it's like a family affair, basically. <laughs> like the youngest son died and now the oldest son and the two parents are going around uh, killing everybody involved. Um it is kind of interesting. I I was, you know, wondering about the motives and stuff. And it's interesting that they killed, um, like, how far back does the chain go? Because they presumably Parker would have been the last person they killed as the person that directly gave their son COVID. But we know in the beginning, in the opening scene, we realize that the person that they killed there is the person that gave Parker COVID. So are we to believe that they've been doing this? Well, I guess they haven't been doing it for a long time. Again, it's like, you know, Austin said, we shouldn't think too much about the timeline, I guess. 
but their son hasn't been dead long. Have they been like on a rampage? Like, did they find this Tyler guy? Like, how how many people back did they go? That uh, like who started this COVID chain? Like, who was the first person they killed? And are they doing it super quick? So it would be interesting to get like the full chain of what they were trying to do. So uh, that element was interesting. Like, they were just like killing everybody that was related to the specific case. So yeah. Yeah, I thought for a slasher, the reveal was done really well. I was happy that everything was connected. Like when they do do the whole DJ Parker fight with the social media post, I was like, why is this in here? And then the fact that it ties back to the actual killers, I like that. Um, I wasn't able to guess it. Like I, I wasn't able to guess who it was. So I thought that was fun too. Um, and yeah, it does just kind of make it feel more lived in. Like you said that I can understand why the parents are upset with Parker. Obviously, they took it too far. Um, and I also did like that Parker called out like, well, where was your son's mask? Why was he at the party? Like she did kind of yeah. try to tell them like your logic doesn't really make sense here, but they're just so gone in their grief that they're not listening. And then I think just like we already kind of called it out the way that the um, third act resolves from there was nice. Like like you said, I like that it felt different from screen that the, the reveal of the killers isn't necessarily a mystery. It's not like they're going to pull off their masks and we're going to recognize who it is. It's just yeah. like, there's no way you could have guessed. I guess you could have guessed that it had something to do with COVID because the whole movie's about that. And obviously that was the case, but yeah, I didn't realize that it was going to tie back to like, you know, DJ's jealous, the jealousy, you know, the guy on social media that Parker was kissing or whatever. I was like, Oh, okay. I, that was a fun connection. Um, but I liked how it happened. You know, they got the reveal out of the way and then there's probably only like, I don't know, maybe like five minutes of the movie left after that scene. You know, we get Parker kind of redeeming herself a little bit, trying to save Mary. Mary trying to call the cops. It doesn't work, of course. They destroy the router. And then, you know, the dad dies pretty quick. And then it culminates in trying to escape to a barn where ultimately Pamela goes up in flames uh, as the cops arrive. <laughs> so I like that, you know, they they did the reveal. It kind of made you go. It sounds like for all of us, we're like, oh, OK, that's interesting. That's kind of cool. And then the movie has like one final kind of hurrah action wise and then ends. I was like, OK, yeah, I like that third act quite a bit. I'll also say if, if you are ever trying to escape a slasher um, and you're in a truck with a with a slash tire, don't drive in reverse the whole way. Like at some <laughs> yeah. point, put it in drive and try to drive forward. Hmm. I'm going to start a separate podcast that's just called Austin Slasher Slick Tips. And it'll be just <laughs> ways to <laughs> ways to escape a slasher. Yeah, not that any of us would because we probably wouldn't. But I think we'd be like somewhat smarter than some of these people. <laughs> we could, you know, we'd make a fair shot at it. We'd be, we'd do okay. They should have just locked themselves in the basement. It was already covered in Lysol. Yeah. The killers would have loved it down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Why didn't they go back to the basement? I know, not that they should stay in the house, but yeah, never went back there. All right. Let's go ahead and get to our Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is the part of our show where we can take something. It can be positive. It can be negative. It's just something from the film or whatever we're talking about that deserves a specific call out. So, guys, what are you thinking today? What's your award going to? Yeah, I'm going to give the COVID safe award uh, to Pamela because she was making me laugh so much in this third act. She was telling her husband to pull up his mask while he was talking to Parker. And the line that just had me bust out laughing was when Parker says, what about Miri? DJ? What did they do? And Pamela goes, well, per CDC guidelines, you're supposed to self-isolate by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Collateral damage. (laughs) That was good. I'm going to give my award. um, It's a special one, and it's an important one that we should recognize more often than not. Um, It's the Saves from a Life of Crime Award, and that goes to DJ. I'm glad he died because had he not, he would have been like a a convicted stalker or something. (laughs) So (laughs) honestly, his death was timely for him because he would have spent the rest of his life in prison probably. The amount of effort he put in to get out to that house. He tracked her on Instagram. 
found the address, put it in his maps, borrowed his, stole his car. buddy's truck. Yeah, <laughs> like, Jesus. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna give the uh, the best first aid award to Miri. She made a really cool splint for her leg out of those uh, the stool legs, and I was like, I'm impressed by that. Like, good for you, I Miri. Was too. I was too. Yeah, best first aid award goes to you. Well, with that, everybody, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your podcast truly does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for, I believe, a rundown of the premiere of Shrinking, the new Apple TV Plus show from some of the Ted Lasso team, Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein, this time alongside Jason Siegel. I'm really excited for this one, especially after checking out the official trailer. Uh, looks like it will hit those Ted Lasso funny, emotional, and heartwarming moments. And come on, that plus Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford sounds like a winning combo to me. Are you guys excited? I'm pumped. That trailer was great. Um, and Harrison Ford and Jason Siegel look like they're going to have really funny banter back and forth. Yeah, I didn't watch the trailer yet. I'm going to watch it once we get off. But, uh, but if it's got Harrison Ford and Jason Siegel, I'm sure it's going to be good. And especially if it's from the same team as uh, Ted Lasso. And last week, Matt and I put out our thoughts on the premiere of The Last of Us, of course, based on the critically acclaimed gaming series of the same name. Um, the premiere was great. Matt and I had some fun theories talking about the future of the season, and we'll be back in a few weeks to talk about the finale. And lastly, we want to hear from you. Uh, please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Sick? Are we in for more quarantine-based horror movies? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's all right, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. We hope you enjoyed this one. We'll see you next time for Shrinking. And I'm glad that I cannot say rest in peace, DJ, because I don't like him. So I'm taking away that RIP. Fuck you, DJ. See ya. Pull your mask up. Yeah.